Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, each and every one who are joining us today. We bless God for each and every one of you. We welcome you to this day that the Lord has made, and we shall rejoice, hallelujah, God, and be glad in it. And we welcome you to a morning walk in God's word. Amen, amen, and amen. Today we are continuing our walk through the book of Romans. We are in Romans chapter 7 in its entirety, and we are going to be reading from the message version. Amen. And it reads, You shouldn't have any trouble understanding this, friends, for you know all the ins and outs of the law, how it works, and how its power touches only the living. For instance, a wife is legally tied to her husband while he lives, but if he dies, she's free. If she lives with another man while her husband is living, she's obviously an adulteress. But if he dies, she is quite free to marry another man in good conscience with no one's disapproval. So, my friends, this is something like what has taken place with you. When Christ died, he took that entire rule-dominated way of life down with him and left it in the tomb leaving you free to marry a resurrection life and bear offspring of faith for God. For as long as we lived that old way of life, doing whatever we felt we could do or whatever we felt we could get away with, sin was calling most of the shots as the old law code hemmed us in. And this made us all the more rebellious. In the end, All we had to show for it was miscarriages and stillbirths. But now that we're no longer shackled to that domineering mate of sin and out from under all the oppressive regulations and fine print, we're free to live a new life in the freedom of God. But I can hear you say, if the law code was as bad as all that, it's no better than sin itself. That's certainly not true. The law code had a perfectly legitimate function. Without its clear guidelines for right and wrong, moral behavior would be mostly guesswork. Apart from the second surgical command, you shall not covet, I could have dressed covetousness up to look like a virtue and ruined my life with it. Don't you remember how it was? I do perfectly well. The law code started out as an excellent piece of work. What happened, though, was that sin found a way to pervert the command into a temptation, making a piece of forbidden fruit out of it. The law code, instead of being used to guide me, was used to seduce me. Without all the paraphernalia of the law code, sin looked pretty dull and lifeless, and I went along without paying much attention to it. But once sin got its hands on the law code and decked itself out in all that finery, I was fooled and fell for it. The very command that was supposed to guide me into life was cleverly used to trip me up throwing me headlong. So sin was plenty alive, 
and I was stone dead. But the law code itself is God's good and common sense. Each command, sane and holy counsel. I can already hear your next question. Does that mean I can't even trust what is good? That is the law. Is good just as dangerous as evil? No, again. Sin simply did what sin is so famous for doing, using the good as a cover to tempt me to do what would finally destroy me. By hiding within God's good commandment, sin did far more mischief than it could ever have accomplished on its own. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself after all. I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decided one way, but then I acted another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law, but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's command, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Amen. Hallelujah, God. Amen and amen. That was Romans chapter 7 in its entirety. And we know that the word of the Lord is already blessed. Now we encourage you to go forward this day in the name of Jesus. And that you have a blessed, prosperous, Holy Ghost filled day on purpose. Join us back here tomorrow morning for another walk in the Word of God as we walk through Romans chapter 8. Know that 
We love you. And God loves you. God bless you.